Welcome to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Here are your hosts, Jared and Zach. Welcome back to Puzzling Company. I am neither Jared nor Zach, but I am your host now, Hunter. And I have two friends with me here, Zach and Matthew. So we have a little of the original taste here while we got some new taste still coming in. Uh, but today we're going to be going over Meebo Island, uh, or Amiibo uh, Escape, Escape from Marvin's Island. Y- yeah, close enough. Yeah, it's no. an approximation. It's an island. approximation, but it is the the Meebo games and those series, the, the web games where it is meant for... Um, corporate and kind of group events to learn about each other and work as a team and we solved it with us three and one other friend helping us out we appreciate it uh and we're just going to be going over that today yeah some good stuff in today's episode how do you how do you feel about this game zach yeah i am really excited to talk about all the things with mebo island um so we'll actually just kind of hold on to what we have to say uh it's that first section so stick with us after this little ad break Hey everyone, Jared here. And if you've listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you know that Zach and I love to test our skills as private investigators. We've had local police departments reach out to us. We've had federal agencies reach out to us. And we always seem to catch our bad guy. But one of our favorite companies to do that with is Unsolved Case Files. They have a really great product. Their game works through envelopes. Every time you solve part of the case, you open another envelope and you get to dig into even juicier and deeper details until you finally figure out what's going on. They have a great online input system for their answers. And of course, as we always talk about, a great hint system to complement it when you get stuck and you're looking for that extra nudge. Personally, we love these games because they tell great stories. The stories have great twists and the connections that you are making to solve the case lead to those super satisfying aha moments. Me personally, I like these games because they're what I call one sitting games, which means they take about an hour to two hours and you don't have to worry about a cliffhanger ruining it if you want to get all the way through it. You're getting an entire story, an entire game every time you play an unsolved case file games. Currently, there are eight of these games out there. You can find these games at unsolvedcasefiles.com. And just for being one of our listeners, you can get 15% off by using the code PUZZLE15, all one word, PUZZLE15 at unsolvedcasefiles.com. Well, welcome back to Puzzling Company, your home for at-home puzzles and mysteries. Um, you know, we're really excited to get to talk about Mebo Island, Escape from Arvin, Marvin's Island, I think is the one that we played, the yes. first game. Um, Jared and I in the past, um, off air, have played the second one, which was really fun. Um, but it was really exciting as the old flavor of Puzzling Company uh, <laughs> to get to play with the new flavor that is Hunter and Matthew. So uh, kind of jumping into it, you know, in this section, we like to talk about the likes, the things that we enjoyed about the experience, and but also kind of room for improvements, not to dog the game, but more just to kind of say how we felt about it. You know, we want games to improve, and we just want to, like, let everyone know how we felt. So um, Matthew, I actually kind of want you to start off and tell everyone what Mebo Island is about in terms of, like, the genre or the game series itself, but then what, what do you do in this game? Right. So, uh, Mebo, as an intellectual property, the whole point is that you make a little cute little robot character with a TV face, um, and your webcam will display um, onto that TV face for everybody else in the game to see, 
and uh, you go on your own little journey. Usually you can have meetings in here. You can have like even show PowerPoints. It's actually really interesting to look at the more corporate side of the game. But then also they do have two uh, team building experiences. One is the moon base uh, experience that Zach just mentioned. And then also Marvin's Island, the one that we played. And uh, the whole point is that there's actually like a, just a general plot overview. There's a robot that's supposed to be keeping you and your team safe while you were on this paradise corporate island uh, for your meeting. And uh, he goes rogue, pretty common theme. And uh, he's trapping you on the island and providing you none of the amenities necessary to your survival. So now you've got to fight back and solve all of the riddles left behind in order to get to him and shut him down. It's comparable to a tropical portal game. Whereas you are trying, instead of trying to escape a white uh, industrial facility, you are escaping an island with an evil robot keeping you on there. It's pretty cool stuff. Not wrong. Not wrong. Well, um... Hunter, I kind of actually want to throw it to you. What do you like about uh, Escape from Marvin's Island? So one of the biggest things about this one is just the easy accessibility with it. Um, it is a little, as long as you have a, an internet connection and a webcam, you're good. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it's really easy to just get started, and it also teaches you really, really well at the beginning. There's a short little intro area where it's a little tutorial telling you how to do everything. Uh, and it's just a little cute way, and it's not too long. And it, it was like less than five minutes and you know everything. And then you're going to reuse those abilities in different ways throughout the game. Mm -hmm. I thought it taught really, really well. And I think it's also really easy for a lot of big office spaces that already have cameras and all that to use. Mm -hmm. It was super accessible just for anyone to pick up and start learning it. I, I mean, all four of us that played it had played a lot of video games in the past. But if anyone hadn't played in a video game, I think the tutorial would have guided them pretty well. And it would have been easy for them to catch on pretty fast throughout the game. I think that is definitely something to be commended with games like these that are online. With the changing world and how diff difficult technology can be at times, it's good to make it simple for new folks. Yeah, and then also to add on to that, a lot of... Uh you know, these kinds of desktop, uh, laptop games where you do have access to keyboard and mouse. There's a lot of keyboard uh, buttons and keys that you can press, interact with things. But mm -hmm. they, they left it pretty minimalistic. You just have your mouse to look around, uh, to view things closer, to interact with them. You click, and then you use WASD to move around. Nice and easy stuff. I quite enjoy that. Yeah, no, I think it had a really, really good onboarding system, as you said, with, like, the tutorial, Hunter. Um, it was very fluid in that front. Um, you know, I could show that to like my mom who has never played any of these types of games and I think she'd pretty easily get it. Um, show it to my grandma. She'd still, still, still struggle <laughs> with it a little bit, but I think she would get it at some point. Um, but yes, I, the accessibility of this game is quite great. Um, there are things that are required for the game. That's something that we might talk a little bit about like in the room for improvements. But I mean, if you have the base things that are required for the game, the game is very simple. You just get to play and have fun. Um, so Matthew, um, what was something that you liked about the game? I really liked the way that the game forced you to communicate. The whole point of the game, it's team building style of game. And as you start to get used to the gameplay, it kind of drives a wall between you and some of the other players. Uh, for us, it separated us into pairs. I don't know if it's intended to always do that, but that's how it ended up going. And it was really cool seeing how now that we're separated into these pairs, we now have to talk to each other, use these tools that are at our advantage in order to uh, like speak what we see. And that way we're like really working on how to be efficient in talking. I remember 
at first I was just like spouting off random nonsense and eventually I had to refine what I was saying in order to get what I needed to get across to uh, Hunter and Zach. And then the friend that was with me was very efficient with talking to me. So pretty cool stuff there. And then also later on in the game, you actually have to all communicate to each other without seeing each other in order to solve a puzzle, which I love that kind of stuff. So I think that's a really good way of doing it. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that, though. I think it did go pretty well. Uh, I think with the whole division of the party, it goes a lot better in video games like this. Um, because at least in my experience in, um, well, in Dungeons and Dragons, splitting the party never really ends well. (laughs) And, uh, in escape rooms, whenever you split the party into two separate groups, I think typically that's when you see a lot more fights just because they don't, they can't see each other. And then there's less of a visage of knowledge or anything like that. So they not, they're not entirely sure of what they're seeing or what they're even trying to do. So I think in a web-based game like this or an online game, anything like that, it's a lot easier to have, um, a good balance of communication between these two parties and have them working together just because they can see it more as in the path they need to take more clearly. But that might just be me. I mean, I could be wrong in that. No, I, I don't think you're wrong. Um, no, I agree. There was a lot of really good things about the kind of forced communication and teamwork that is required in this game. It does make you guys all have to work a lot harder to achieve sometimes what would be simpler goals. Like, as an example, like, it'd be pretty easy if you could all four split up in a maze and just go find what you need and then kind of put in the answer. But if only two of you are there and the other two are completely up in the middle of the sky and they have no idea outside of, like, their own mini version of that that looks different, like, it is going to be a different puzzle for them. It makes something that seems a little bit simpler, like, a little more complex. Or you hide information that's needed from one of the parties by throwing it to the other place. Um, but it was really good. I There are goods and bads when it comes to that kind of stuff, in my opinion, but it just depends on what you're looking for. Um, but that's something we could talk about, like, in a room for improvement or in a general kind of conversation about games like these. Yeah, the third thing we liked about this game was, honestly, kind of the game itself. And I don't mean that, like, in terms of that, oh, it was just a good game. And it, it was a good game. But this is a great experience to give to someone if they are new to the puzzling world or video game world. Um, it provides a lot of really simplistic puzzles. And that's not a diss of the game. It's actually a very good compliment. That, you know, you could send this game to a party of four that have never played an escape room or a, a puzzle game or anything like that before. And it has a really good onboarding system and very understandable. And it's not like it doesn't feel like you're reading like a manual on how to play this game or do anything like that. Um, and then you can play the game and it requires some good communication and teamwork, but a little bit on you to kind of figure it out yourself. And then, you know, you all work together to complete the game. And it's not a very lengthy game. Um, which we'll talk about more later, but uh, I thought it was really good for what it was, and I think this is a game that I would recommend to most people if they've never played one before. I don't. How do you guys feel about that? I would especially agree, especially in the office space scenario, in that it's mm-hmm. super easy just to pick up and start doing, and then put down, and then move on. Like I, I, I think the whole process of it is good for the team building thing that it is meant to do, mm-hmm. um, where it is. The office gets an idea where it's like, hey, we want people to work together on this puzzle game. I think that'd be fun. And then you start it. You don't really have to teach them. The game teaches you. And then they play together. They're pretty self-sufficient. It's not like you have to continually check things or check in on them. There's no, like, game mastering or anything like that. They play the game, and then that's done. I mean, there, there's not any outside things that you have to worry about, really. It's a really good teaching process of these types of games to people who have likely never seen anything like it in their lives. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a very principled game. Like a lot of the puzzles use very common tropes 
yep. that are used in escape rooms and puzzle box games. So like I remember every time I saw you know, one of the puzzles, one of the clues, I could immediately go, this is the kind of puzzle I'm dealing with. And for somebody who has no idea about these kinds of puzzles, this gives them a very good starting point for applying what they've learned in this game to a future game. So I, I, I like that a lot about, you know, onboarding people and giving that opportunity. Yeah, cool. and it's good too because it is a web-based game, so it's something that I don't feel like I have to go out to a store and buy and like get it mailed to them or like have to meet them in person. I can just easily send this in an email to like, like I said, a family member or a friend or coworkers that want to kind of get this and just set them up for them. Um, and then we'll actually kind of talk about this uh, in our next part, um, but kind of talk about why all these things are so good, but also why they could be potential room for improvements. So. Um, I'm actually going to transition us now to the room for improvement section. As a reminder, this is not the dog of the game, um, but just to kind of tell you how we felt about some of the stuff that we thought could be improved or kind of some caveats or things that you should know about the experience. So I'm actually going to throw this back to Matthew. Matthew, what was kind of one of our room for improvements for this experience? So something that you really need to be aware of going into this game, if you are one of our more uh, experienced listeners, you know, you have a lot of games under your belt going into this game. Uh, you might have a really good time, but it's going to be a pretty qu- short time. We were able to beat this game rather quickly, uh, and it kind of surprised us. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that, of course. If you're looking for a shorter experience, especially in a corporate setting, you know it's good to know that there is an end in sight always with a game like this. But for people who are used to more puzzle-hunty games that are centered around you know, taking a longer time, using more thought, using more communication, this is not the kind of experience you're going to get from this. Uh, so for you know the less experience, I think they say it's about half an hour to 45 minutes uh, experience for us or people at our experience level. It might be more around like 20 or 30. So you just, you know, if you're going into it expecting a really long game, that's not what you're going to get. So you need to be aware of that going into it. I really enjoyed it. Otherwise, I would, it, this sounds like an insult, but I promise it is not. With people that are more experienced playing this game, it's almost like a grown adult playing like a like a child's shape-fitting game where you find the right shapes and the right things. It's just for people who are used to seeing these types of games and seeing these types of puzzles, it's really easy for them to see like, oh, they're going for this format. Like, let's go ahead and solve this kind of thing. Which isn't a bad thing. I actually love that in this game because it, it teaches those formats. Right, and because we were we're all pretty close with each other, I'd like to say, um, you know, maybe maybe Zach doesn't say so as the old flavor, but us new flavors get along pretty well. Um, but we really enjoyed. Uh, throw you off a <laughs> <laughs> We really enjoyed just messing around, goofing off. I remember there's a specific point where it's like, hey, just make sure to not do this, and I immediately did that and got punished for it, and it was pretty funny. Uh, and I just enjoyed goofing off, extending our time. Because like when you go into it knowing it's going to be a bit shorter, you have that chance to go, okay, let's not rush. Let's take our time. Let's have some jokes here. And that makes for a better experience overall. Yeah, and to kind of give some context for this experience, because I think it's we should be very open about it. Um, one, we are quite experienced people. Uh, this game is pretty much mostly advertised for mostly new beginners or people who are looking for experiences like this on the web base um, used for team working like team based events, um, corporate events, stuff like that. So it is meant to be a 30 to 45 minute experience for people like that. Um, We completed the experience in 18 minutes and that was with us wasting some time too. Um, We probably could have been that experience to be very real in like 12 minutes um, if we weren't goofing around at times. So um, and that's not a bad thing. Like I said, the game is great. We enjoyed 
the, the amount of time we did have with it. Um, but when you're looking at it from a experience point of view, there's not a lot there. I think it ends up being like six puzzles worth of stuff and that's kind of it. Um, but like I said, um, also you should know for pricing wise, uh, this game is $25, um, in euros, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, we did get it for free. So I make that very clear that we had, this as a free game um, sent to us by the creator, which was really thoughtful and thankful to them for that. Um, but for $25 um, in euros for a team of four or five, that's not bad. I mean, it's like five bucks a person or a little bit less depending, you know, or more depending. Um, but it was a really enjoyable experience for the amount of time we did have. And um, there are, like I said, there's a second one as well. So if you're looking for something with a little more difficulty um, and you're looking for the next step after Escape from Marvin's Island, um, their next game, which is space themed, is really cool and adds some very cool puzzles to it, um, as well as kind of a new atmosphere that isn't in the first one. Um, so I'm actually going to jump us to kind of our next room for improvement, which, Hunter, I'd like you to talk a little bit about. All righty. Well, thanks for jumping in and then jumping in immediately to me. I think that's super helpful. Um, but the next issue we have with the game uh, is it, it, it is a web-based game, which isn't inherently an issue. Uh, that's just kind of a fact of the matter. And with web-based game, there are some limitations with it um, because obviously – a web-based game versus an actual game, you don't have all the, the clients downloaded, you have some disconnection issues, right. and depending on whatever browser you're using, like Google or um, Bing, if you are weird, uh, if you're using these, it might act a little differently and funky in between each other. And with the web-based game, it isn't the most smooth experience, mm. which isn't to be expected of a web game, but that is just something you should keep in mind. Uh, so sometimes I know some of the players would be moving around and then they might glitch through a wall a little bit, which is, I mean, it's a small glitch in a game. It isn't, it isn't that big of a deal, but it is something yeah. to keep in mind with this kind of game. And it isn't demanding in your computer too much, I would say. Um, but it still has some issues running certain things. And I remember when I was playing, there was some rendering issues of when you were in one area and you were walking to the next, it was a void in the next area. Um, so it's not a terrible thing. It, it's just a simple based game meant for corporate uh, teamwork, team building things. So the, it's not that big of an issue, but that is something to keep in mind that, hey, you might see some weird things or it might be a little buggy at times, but I wouldn't say it's an overall game changer for me. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand that and I agree with it. Um, in terms of requirements in this game, and I want to make it very clear, this is something that I had for like a room for improvement. Um is that it does have some requirements. Mind you, this, it is a web-based game, so it doesn't require too much in terms of your computer outside of a web-based browser and a stable internet, stuff like that. Um, it does require you to have a webcam. Um, if you do not have a webcam, the game will not play. It will literally not function. Um, it's just it's certain that it, it has to be in the game. Um, I'm not sure if it's something that they've found a way to work around, um, but currently we tried doing it. And to tell a little bit of our story about it, uh, Hunter, uh, Hunter's laptop was not working that day. And so he was trying to use his desktop and he didn't have a webcam and, uh, I had forgotten to give it to him because I had a, a second one. Um, and we tried setting up the game and we spent about approximately an hour and a half trying to get him on the game. And we realized that one of our friends also doesn't have a webcam, but he had some program that lets him record his stuff. So it let him play with it. It was really weird, but it ended up being that having a webcam is very important to this experience. And if you don't have it, it won't let you play. Yeah. So Make sure you do have a webcam, um, even if it's super cheap. Just find something you can use for webcam if it's um, in your laptop itself or um, if it is a part of your desktop computer. Um, there are a few things that are very required, but once you have that, it's pretty solid. 
And another thing, just a little add-on, I don't recall any puzzles really having to do with, like, specific webcam or face-based things. Am I... No, um, you just need to be able to kind of... It's nice to see each other and be able to communicate. I will say in the second game, it is required um, for a certain puzzle that I'm not spoiling. Um, but it, it the second game actually has really few really cool mechanics where it kind of is very important. You can see the other people because they might take away some of the other things, which is quite neat. Um, but yes, in the, in the first game, it was not really... I, in my opinion, I don't think it was required that you actually needed a webcam. Yeah to solve any of the puzzles. One one thing that I remember it was best for, I suppose, was uh, the game would let you take photos at yes. certain points in time. And so rather than seeing a bunch of faceless robots looking at a camera, you get to see all your pretty faces on a bunch of screens. It's true. They do let you take a photo at the beginning of the game, and they let us take one at the end when you win. And that's true in both games. So you can do that, which is great. Um, but that's actually going to wrap up kind of the likes and room improvements for Escape from Mebo Island or Marvin's Island um, from Mebo. Um, it was really great. We had a lot of really good things to say about it. Um, definitely recommend it um, if you are someone who is looking for kind of a beginner game to send to your friends or for yourself. Um, you know, and um, we're excited to hopefully have the other two here get to play the second game because I think you guys would like it a lot. I'm um, sure we would. Yeah, I've heard really a lot cool. about it. Yeah, it's it's quite cool. There are some amazing games and really awesome that they were able to create both those experiences. So that's going to wrap up our first section. We're going to be back with Puzzles to the People right after this ad break. Zach. Zach. What's up? Ever since we've gotten back from Boston, you've been spacey and some weird things with your voice have been going on. Okay. I go to get some donkeys and I bang a Yui and you're acting all weird now with me? That's exactly what I'm talking about. All of a sudden you have like this southern Bostonian accent and I don't think that you're aware that you're doing it. I've always talked like this. No, no, you haven't. And, okay, let, let's let, let's try something. I'm going to remind you of something that you did before, Boston. Like, ask you a little trivia. Do you remember what the first murder mystery game on the podcast that we did? I remember some game that we did that was about Harvard. Was it about that? No. Okay. You remember anything else? Uh, do you know what state that the murder happened Yeah, it in? happened in Florida. Oh, are you talking about, like, the lovely city murder that happened? Yes. Like, the killing affairs That's game? what I'm talking about. But now you're not, now you're talking normal. Yeah. What do you mean? Okay, uh, tell me what you liked about A Killing Affair. Oh, it's a really great game. It's like a murder mystery. It's episodic. You have to kind of figure out what happened on that day. It's a cold case as well. Um, but over, I think, five or six episodes, you get to complete it. Really fun game. And I know that at akillingaffair.com, they have other games as well. And I think they currently have a Jigsaw one that they just created. So really excited to see that. So you remember all of that. But if I told you maybe that the next game that we were going to play was about the New York Yankees, you would say... Oh, screw the Yankees. Go Sox. And welcome on back, guys, to our second section, Game Talk, Puzzles of the People, whatever you want to call it. And here we are uh, sitting around to have a conversation uh, about something that applies from this game to the greater world of gaming. And today we want to just talk about the advantages and disadvantages and all of the characteristics that come with web-based games. So, in case you didn't remember, this game is a web-based game. And uh, that is a decently common format, and it can bring some really cool things to the table, and it can have its drawbacks. So I wanted to throw this over to Hunter. You have a lot of experience between the three of us with all kinds of video games. 
Um, how do you feel about web-based games, like, in general? I think web-based games could be really well utilized, but I think they aren't really fine-tuned yet, and they are limited by the individual's web browser. Uh, I personally haven't played a lot of web-based games just because, I mean, most of the games I play are, like, purchasing on Steam or on the PlayStation Store or something like that. I think some of the biggest advantages of web-based games is that you can make them free um, because you just type in a website and then, boom, you're starting to play a game. Uh, like, especially there's, there's plenty on Newgrounds. I used to play an old website called Not Doppler and they had a bunch of just simple flash games Not for Doppler's that kind great. of thing. Yeah. I, I miss those so much. Cool math games. Cool. I can't believe I, I, was, almost... I was just about to say that. Cool I math games. Cool math games. Yeah. So, so was that a big thing for you too, Zach? Yes. Cool math games was quite big when I was, uh, younger back in your days. <laughs> okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. Jeez. Whoa. Uh, but yeah, no cool math games is probably the biggest one, especially they actually, the more I think about it, they have some really, really interesting puzzle games on there still, even though they're no longer flash. A lot of them you can't run anymore, but some of my favorite games I've played, like one of them, I forgot what it's called. I think it's called like an IQ test, but the whole point is that it's not actually an IQ test. You're like, uh, going to this impossible quiz. No. Is it not? No, no, no. It's, it's, it's called oh, like no, no, IQ no. test. Yeah, yeah, no, and, I remember. And so the whole point is you have to get a certain IQ to move into the next room. Yeah. And it's like this alien civilization. Yes. But at the end, it's revealed that you're the alien and it's like human civilization. Sorry for the cool math game spoiler. Oh, yeah. But I love that game. There's some really cool puzzles in that game. It's actually really Well, back in my day, before the internet existed, <laughs> I used to play the good old pinball 3D <laughs> on the desktop. And that was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> uh, we know you did, old Zach. But... Yeah. But yeah, like web-based games, for me, hold a lot of nostalgia because I couldn't, I had a family computer, um, and so we, you could not do anything on the family computer. You couldn't download anything. Any, uh, one of my parents worked in IT, so she admin-locked the whole computer, and uh, I couldn't download anything onto it. So the best I got was web games, and uh, I like the format a lot. I think you can do a lot of really good things with it, and of course, I always love free um, and I don't mind a paid experience. I do like that it's a one-pay uh, email it to all your buddies, and then you get in. But I just I think yeah, there are some weaknesses to it. It has to run on a much uh, less powerful engine for it to function in a browser. But you can have a lot of charm to it, and I think this game definitely had a lot of that charm with like a much uh, a less graphics focused uh, interface, but more just like a cute little smooth kind of. This is a bit off topic, but it kind of reminded me of the uh, plastic texture pack uh, from Minecraft console edition. I don't know if you know that, but like it was just a very yeah, my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very smoothed out, like cute, almost cartoonish animation style, and I really liked it. I thought it was fun. I think the ideal state of a web-based game are those flash games and website games, like cool math games that we would see uh, on there. I think this game does it really, really well, but I think that is just the perfect sector of it, to me at least. I think this game also, it it has a little charm because of the web-based game, because then you don't need to download the same game onto every single computer in the office building or every single person. You just have them go to a website, open it, and then that's it, which adds the simplicity, which is wonderful. But whenever I think of a game like this, of what it is, like a teamwork puzzle game of all working together, mm-hmm. I typically more imagine it as a downloadable game that is like more hard set and then you have different levels back to back rather than like different experiences uh, in whole different things. Uh, but that's just me in my experience. I think what they did is perfectly great and especially for their office setting that they're looking for. Okay, question for you guys then. So... What do you think web-based games do better than, like, 
downloadable video games? Like functionality wise or any level because you guys are kind of hitting on some very interesting topics of like why these games work well but i'm interested to hear like what do you think it does better than like a video game and, and you've kind of already hit on a few things that are pretty big in that category but like in terms of functionality accessibility though like you know that kind of stuff yeah I, I, I mean outside of the stuff that we've talked about they don't necessarily do anything that video games can't do I would imagine they're a lot easier to develop. So production time and labor and all of the cost that goes into making a video game is like halved, maybe even cut even smaller whenever you're making a web-based game. Uh, but yeah, I think most of it is just you can hand it over to someone immediately. With a video game, you need a console, you need a specific you know, generation of PC, you need a specific operating system. Like you need all these prerequisites and none of that is there for a web-based game. I think, but also going on with that, web-based games are kind of more inconsistent than the console-based games. Because if you if you have a console-based game and you download it to your computer, your computer might be a little slower than other computers, or you might be playing on an older generation of console, but it still runs pretty well. But with this, it is I think it's really reliant on your web browser, and there's just so many web, different web browsers out there. I don't know how it's going to interact with all the different kinds of that. And it also has some some internet functions since you're still on the internet. Even if it is, you are playing by yourself, you could have the internet screw you out and then you mess up and then everything goes haywire. So especially with the console games that you download and you don't have to worry about internet and it is purely single, single player, I think that's a definite benefit from the console games. Okay. No, I agree with both of you on pretty much everything you guys said. Um, the biggest part for me is just how accessible it is. And I honestly think a lot of web-based games can do simplicity easier than console games. I think you can have really easy console games or, like, uh, downloadable content games, which are great. I mean, there's a lot I've played that are very simplistic when you think about it, but you have to download stuff. But um, a lot of the web-based games are very good introductions to is like video games or puzzle games and stuff like that because it gives you a good idea of how to do it, but usually at a free or more affordable price and gives you way more accessibility that you can play with anything that has a, like a working browser, right? In terms of most games we've talked about outside of the one specifically today with like Escape from Marvin's Island, right? Where that one, you need a little bit more requirements than most. Like when you play cool math games, you just need an internet provider. Uh, or sorry, you need internet through your computer, stuff like that. Um, Kind of moving on from that kind of stuff, because I think that's all really great. So in terms of video games, you know, and what we've talked about with web-based games, it, it gives you a lot of accessibility. How do you feel or would you like to compare how games like this that are very accessible and very big beginner games would be versus like a puzzle box game that you play with your friends in person? What are the benefits of both? Like, do you think one's better? Like, do you think playing more beginner-style games when you're all together is more beneficial and have a better experience? Or do you think digital ones can have a better experience? I would say digital, in my okay. personal opinion. I think puzzle box games are great for it, and you can learn from it. But I think digital just railroads you just enough that you know what to imagine. So, like, this one, I mean, you could go left, right, up, down, jump, and then interact. And, like, that was about it. Like, it's not like you could open this box or try opening this thing, a new thing, or seeing if this window opens, and then those are the puzzles with all those distractors and whatnot. It just says, hey, this is all you're going to need to do. Start moving and looking around. Mm -hmm. I think it's simplifying the story and simplifying the puzzles really helped with simplifying the movement. 
And I think that limiting the player helps the player learn what they actually need to look for versus what is red herring to them. Yeah, I agree that in an introductory game like this, it's always best to go for accessibility, for ease of access, all of that kind of stuff. So uh, web-based is going to be the best medium for that. But I think when it comes to team building and teamwork and like leadership skills and stuff like that, I think in-person is always going to be better because you have personal connection, you have physical objects to uh, interact with. And uh, not to brag, but uh, I actually, Hunter and I actually are writing a dissertation right now about how uh, in-person role-playing games can really, really help people with their team building and uh, their communication skills. And I stand by the fact that I think if you're going for the ideal team building experience, you're going to want a physical game, but that's not always possible. That's not, I think that's not necessarily the point in this kind of thing is like, this was a product of COVID. It, it's all, it's written all over it. You can tell that like, these are people who cannot be in the same space that need to learn how to interact with each other and work together. So they have this access either from their different areas of the office or from their own homes. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially with the benefits that you're trying to get from it, the the team building and the uh, leadership promoting. So while in-person games are really, really good for leadership and learning and that kind of thing, um, the, the digital games and the digital landscape are much better for just teaching them about that area and growing them into good puzzle players, I would argue. No, I, I think both arguments that you guys brought up, I guess I say arguments, but points on the digital versus physical are very valid in both. Um, I think digital is just great in terms of accessibility of getting people from anywhere around the world during any time to try to work together and kind of complete and achieve goals. Whilst things like um, in ex like in person experiences like puzzle box games or at home experiences or escape rooms are great. I think overall in creating more intimate and immediate connections with people because you're kind of stuck in a place trying to all work together, but you're limited, right? Like um, it's something that we've talked about many times before with at home games versus like digital. Digital has a way to create more of an atmosphere for you. So an example with like Escape from Marvin's Island is that you can create an island and create this gigantic skull and create this broken ship while we're like, if you're playing a puzzle box game and it's a, uh, let's say, um, we're playing Root of All Evil. Like, we read a bunch of stuff, but we creatively have to create the atmosphere versus, like, a game that gives you that. Um, but in terms of the, like, difficulty range, they're both great beginner games. Like, there are benefits to both, and they're both very valid in terms of what you could choose. The nice part in general is that there are so many different ways that you can start playing games like this. It's not limited to, like, you need to buy a, a murder mystery file game or you need to buy Amiibo Island. Like, there are many games like this. There are many video games like this that teach very basic understanding of puzzles or um, experiences or video games that you can achieve at any point, and you don't have to be forced to play just one. Um, but that's actually going to wrap up our second section. Um, thank you, everyone, for kind of listening in with us today and getting to hear all of our great stuff about um, Amiibo Island, um, Escape from Marvin's Island, um, as well as kind of getting to hear us talk about web-based games. Matthew Hunter, uh, as the old flavor, thank you, new <laughs> flavor, for coming on. Um, yes, I'm going to talk about this. Of course, um, I'm the chocolate. We're going to have a, you know, our spoiler episode. Will be you'll get to have to listen into that um, in your own version to get to hear what we get to talk about with that. But other than that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Puzzling Company. Really quick, another plug. 
You can't get rid of me. Sorry, guys. Um, really quick, I just do want to say you guys are awesome. You really do keep interacting with us on social media. Our Instagram is absolutely blooming booming blooming however you want to say it it's beautiful it's wonderful stuff and we really do just want you guys to keep it up we really love interacting with you guys and of course keep following our twitter hunter's getting lonely over there he needs you guys crying he's he's actively crying right now and of course most importantly join our spoiler club because we need a new table as jared always says and then hopefully soon we'll be able to bring you that video content we talked about last year um we're getting closer just keep on supporting us, and we will keep on pumping out content for you guys. So thank you, and uh, I guess that's us signing off. Yes. For uh, Jared and Zach and Matthew and Hunter, <laughs> this has been Puzzling Company. See you guys. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Puzzling Company and online at puzzlingcompany.com. Check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep puzzling. Puzzling.